boy is eating. The boy is your name. What is your name? She is not a girl. First, hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? Coffee with Gringos, Dynamic English's podcast where you can learn English simply by hearing people use it. So sit down and have a coffee with us. You are listening to Coffee with Gringos. I'm Paige Sutherland. And I'm Ian Kennedy. And so today we're going to talk about some historic protests that are going on right now in the U.S., all over the country, and it's about police brutality, particularly against African Americans in the U.S. And so it's a very sensitive topic, but it's a very important one and an issue that has been going on for quite some time now in the U.S. And so if you get lost, remember, check out that audio guide and transcript online. Okay, Ian, so this all started about two weeks ago with a very specific incident involving some white police officers and an African-American man who is getting arrested. Give us a little background about what happened, the video and, and all of that. Sure. So this event's been circulating in news all over the world. So I'm sure a lot of people have heard about it. But for those of our listeners who maybe aren't aware of what's going on, we'll just give a little background to to what's happening. So an African-American man named George Floyd was in a store in Minneapolis, which is a large city in the north of the U.S. near Canada. And he tried using a counterfeit or a fake dollar bill to buy some cigarettes. And so the store owner called the police. So the police came and were questioning him, asking him all these questions. Things became violent. And one of the police officers, there were four police officers, one of the police officers put Mr. Floyd down on the ground and had his knee in his neck for I think a total of nine minutes. And during this time, there were bystanders who were filming the incident. And it's a really disturbing video, but you can hear and see George Floyd saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I'm dying, I'm dying. The police officer never got off his neck, never showed any restraint, never helped him medically, which is a policy for police. If, if somebody is in medical distress, you have to help them. And so not only did this officer not take his, his knee off of his neck, but the other three officers didn't do anything to stop him, anything to help. So after nine minutes, he was unresponsive. They put him in, a, in an ambulance and took him to the hospital where he was pronounced dead. I think we see a big outburst in the public because of this incident, because one, it was filmed in such a disturbing and transparent way. So everybody could see what was happening. Second, this is just systemic racism that's really plagued um, the black community for years and years and years. And so it kind of reached, it seems like it reached a boiling point in which the black community especially said enough is enough. You know, for centuries we've been victims to police brutality, to mistreatment. And so now we see in many, many cities throughout the US, protests, looting, fires, kind of kind of chaos. And it's something that we see a lot happen. You know, you hear about a a black person who was killed by the police and maybe they were either unarmed or maybe even innocent. And it's hard to explain to people who don't live in the United States who aren't from there, because for us, it's, it's terrible to say, but it's almost like it's something normal. It's like you read about police brutality. This person was killed. This black person was killed. 
and it just repeats and repeats and repeats. So I think now that we're in 2020, we're thinking how much longer does this have to go on? And so it's reached a point where things are getting violent and real change is needed if we want to move forward. Like you were saying, you know, enough is enough. It just really reminded me of the social uprising in Santiago, well, in Chile. And the whole messaging around that was, you know, it wasn't about a metro fare increase. It wasn't about 30 pesos. It's about 30 years. And I think these protests that have erupted in the U.S., it's not about just George Floyd. It's not this one incident. It's been dozens of incidents over so many years that everyone, like you said, is just fed up. So, I mean, what's crazy is this exact scenario of George Floyd was happened about six years ago with Michael Brown. And that was, a bit, again, like protests. Things were like people were demanding change on the street. And then we're talking 2020 now and the same thing happens. And it's like, nothing's changed. The policies are the same. The black people are still being arrested more, still being killed and injured unarmed. And it's also kind of terrifying because nowadays police wear body cams and everyone has a video camera on their phone. So it's all captured and it's all there. And yet a lot of these police officers are rarely held accountable. So it's kind of like, what? <laughs> yeah, I think that's where a lot of the, the other anger comes too. is, you know, you hear about these police officers when, when these incidents do happen. Like you said, they're not held accountable. We see a lot of cases where a police officer kills an innocent black person or an unarmed black person. They go to court and they are acquitted of their, uh, of their crimes. And this mm -hmm. is obviously just, this is outrageous. And you know, very, very unfair. Imagine, imagine if your son or your daughter was killed by a police officer for no reason, and then that police officer walks away. I would be, I would be infuriated. Like you said, it's just an unfair system, kind of like you mentioned here. It's not 30 pesos, it's 30 years. It's not George Floyd. It's years and years and years of innocent killings, of mm -hmm. not holding the police system accountable, of not treating people as equal, you know? We say this all the time, all men are created equal, but our, our country doesn't, doesn't actually practice what they preach in that sense. It's tough too, because like obviously in the video, those particular cops are bad. Like they should go to jail, they committed crimes. And in a lot of these cases, there are bad cops and there are good cops. But I think the biggest problem, and this happens in all countries, is people are racist because the systems and policies are racist. And so it's more than just holding these specific police officers accountable. It's changing policies across the board because that man in the video clearly did what he did because he thought he could. And he thought he could because the department or the system he was under had racial tendencies. I mean, it's silly to not mention our president. I mean, President Trump says racist things all the time and when you have a leader of the country saying that, it makes it feel okay for everyone else to think and say that. Until we change the rhetoric, change our systems, our policies, we can arrest all the bad cops we want, but we're still going to have a racist system. Exactly. You make, you make a good point. You know, it's like, of course, there's, there's always like a few bad apples in an orchard. Mm -hmm. um, but if the orchard, you know, if the system is corrupt, then you're going to keep producing those kind of 
results or those kind of people. I personally, I'm not a big fan of the police. I'll just go ahead and say it. And, but I don't want to be ignorant and say that all cops are, are bastards or what, you know, like the old phrase or all, all cops are bad, all cops are evil. Mm -hmm. um, that's not fair to say because it's not true. But it is important to recognize that these people have made the choice to enter into a corrupt system. And it's important that they realize that. You don't have to say this person's a bad person or a bad cop, but they should realize that they're a part of a bad system. They're a part of a corrupt system, mm -hmm. a system that needs change. You know, for that reason, we see a lot of these tensions between the police and protesters, right? Protesters see police as, as this oppressive, authoritative force that are infringing on equality and rights. The police, they feel like they're just trying to keep order to to do their job, but a lot of times that job involves unnecessary violence or overreaching their boundaries. And like you said, someone who, who feels like they're entitled with power because they've joined the system. And so it's really disheartening to see protests happening and see videos of police beating peaceful protesters, mm -hmm. shooting rubber bullets, using pepper spray, tear gas. Again, reminiscent of things that we've seen here in Chile. Um, with the peaceful protests. So I have to say, you know, I, I don't support the looting. I think the looting also is wrong, you know, stealing and, and breaking stores. But kind of like we, what we talked about before this call, even if someone were to say to me that they think the property or the looting, these items are more important than an, an innocent life that was taken, that's where I have a problem. So these things can be replaced, but someone's life can't be replaced. We have to be real with ourselves about what the problem is and what's important and what priorities need to be moved forward, what priorities need to be solved. Exactly. I mean, like you said, it's impossible not to draw comparisons from what happened in October in Chile and what's happening here in the U.S. And the rhetoric, the conversation is so similar. You have the government and authorities focused on the looting, on the destruction, and it takes away and distracts from the message. And the message is we have police brutality in this country targeted at minorities, specifically African Americans, and that's wrong and it needs to change. And it's been needed to change for years now. And so I think it's hard when all you hear in the mass media and all you hear from people who aren't really for the protest is just the violence, the destruction. And they don't spend a second on the cause, the reason why people are protesting. And that's what we should be talking about. And I think just like a little background for our listeners in the US, the Black Lives Matter campaign has been really strong for, for years now, but it's created a lot of tension, I think, in the US because Black Lives Matter has resulted in people that don't agree with the protesters to adopt the phrase, all lives matter, as well as because this Black Lives Matter is targeted against police, there's also adopted the phrase blue lives matter. Blue because cops in the US wear blue uniforms. And these kind of phrases have, have caused a lot of contention because it's like all lives matter, yes, but to the protesters, it's like you're not seeing race and if you don't see race, you don't see discrimination, you don't see inequalities, right? Exactly these phrases kind of have pinned everyone against each other, which isn't constructive. And just a quick reminder, if you are interested in taking private classes with Dynamic English, go ahead and check out our website at dynamicenglish.cl 
And there you can sign up for private classes in your apartment, in your house, in your office. You can even now take classes online. Sitting on your couch, you can log on and practice English. It's very easy. So if you're interested, check us out also on social media through Facebook or Instagram. Of course, of course, all lives matter. No, no, one's, no one's debating that. Mm-hmm. But we need to highlight the importance of the topic. That's the point of the Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that you need to give specific attention to this problem that's existing. So to, to not acknowledge that is basically to be a part of the problem. Like you said, it's, it's like a statement that's so, that should be so obvious and accepted by everyone is considered controversial. I, I heard a comedian say a joke, a black comedian said a joke about it and said, you know, people are offended by the Black Lives Matter. And we're using the word here, matter. Black Lives Matter. He's like, should I change it to something that everyone can agree on? Black Lives Exist? Or something like this? He's not saying that Black Lives Matter more. Yeah. No saying that. We're just saying that Black Lives Matter. I don't find that to be a very controversial statement. Mm-hmm. And so you really made a good point to me. I thought, you know, that's it's so true. You know, no one's saying that other lives don't matter, but we have to highlight the specific problem in order for the change to actually happen. Right. And if people don't confront that, if people stay silent or if they want to deny that statement, Black Lives Matter, then you're not helping. You're not helping with the problem. No, I, yeah, I agree. I think, I think what you hear a lot from people who aren't for the protest is, oh, no, I'm not racist. I don't see color. But that's racist because you have to see color because there is so much inequality. White privilege is a thing. Like I have, received a lot of benefits because of my race. It's just a fact and you have to accept that. You have to see color because that's how we're gonna be more equitable. So I think um, when people say, oh, black lives matter, all lives matter, the only message they're saying is that black lives have been suppressed for so long that that needs to change and we need to recognize it. And if we don't recognize the inequalities, we'll just have the status quo. Exactly. And by the way, anytime I hear someone start a phrase with, well, I'm not racist, they're they're probably going to say something racist. So (laughs) when I hear that, I'm like, oh, brother, here we go. I'm going to or or you hear someone say something like, well, I have a black friend and that automatically makes them able to to be okay to say whatever. So it's a good point you bring up about, you know, about white privilege. I think a lot of people in the United States, a lot of white people like ourselves, it's kind of hard to be real with yourself and, and admit, you know, that white privilege exists and that as white people, life is just easier. It really is. It's just easier for people in the United States compared to black people. If you want to talk about historical, um, like favoritism or, you know, having advantages, it's always benefited white people. And again, this is not to say that people should feel guilty for being white. I'm, I'm not saying that because just like being born black, you can't control being born white. So you shouldn't feel guilty, but you just need to acknowledge that it exists, exactly. that you have an easier path to success than a black person does in the United States. To not accept that, I also think is part of the problem. You're just not being real with yourself. And it should be a more equitable system in which people have the same opportunities to to be successful, to be happy. And we've seen through years, through politics, through government regulations, 
it's been harder for black people to get loans. If they do get a loan, it's a higher interest loan. Banks won't let, let them buy certain houses or live in certain neighborhoods. And so this has caused this systemic division and the systemic racism that, that we see perpetuated today. You know, I talk with friends. I'm like, we should always remind ourselves of how lucky we are. You know, me, in my case, I was born male, <laughs> white, and American. You know, that's, that's kind of like hitting the jackpot in terms of like a start in life. So yeah, you just have to be real with uh, how the system treats certain people. And again, don't be guilty, but just be aware of, of what's happening. No, I, I, I agree. And it's always difficult when you're white to try to like be in another race's shoes because we can we can never understand it we just can't all we can do is really listen and like acknowledge our privilege you know i think people too now they're realizing more i hope they're realizing more that this is a time when maybe we should all shut up and just listen yeah we just need to open our ears and listen to what the black community is saying how they feel what they want improved and without listening to the people that are actually suffering these injustices, we're just going to keep perpetuating this mistreatment. Because if you can't put yourself in their shoes, then you can't understand them. You can't understand the changes that are needed. I think what's happening, especially like in our generation and the younger generations, and did not happen in our parents or grandparents, is we're being more careful about how we say things. How you say things is so important because it perpetuates racism. And so there's a good vocab word I was talking to my students about the other day is microaggression. And so there's a lot of these phrases that we all are guilty of saying. And, you know, I think as a society, we are improving, but we have a long way to go of just things that are blatantly racist, but have racial undertones, right? Like, oh, I, I see someone wearing baggy pants who's black and be like, oh, he's a thug or he's a criminal. That's a microaggression. <laughs> yeah. Because we're associating his race with a bad negative behavior. That's something that like with these protests too, like we have to acknowledge some of the stuff we say that might seem really harmless, but it is really harmful. Yeah, exactly. This this kind of language, you know, sometimes you say things that you don't think about the impact of it, but yeah, really you are you're you're perpetuating this kind of problem we're talking about by by saying these things and Again, it's just acknowledging it and understanding and listening. I think that's that's the key to understanding. And and this is something we can't forget. We can't just move on to the next story. If this doesn't get solved, we're just going to continue to have this violence and this systemic racism. So this is a moment when we really have to act. This is America's moment of reckoning for these social injustices, these racial injustices. So my hope is just fingers crossed, something actually happens out of this. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think it is in a good time because we all are inside more. We're on our phones or online. I mean, when these cases happen, I think they were kind of in the national bubble. But now the whole world is looking at the U.S. and realizing that we have this huge racial problem. I just think there's a lot of pressure for them to do something. And I hope they actually do change some policies. So, well... This was a very sensitive topic, but very necessary. You have to have these hard conversations to, to actually make some changes. So listeners, if you get lost, check out that audio guide and transcript online. Stay safe. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time.
Coffee with Gringos was brought to you by Dynamic English, where you can learn English simply by using it. If you're interested in taking classes or just want to learn more, go to our website at dynamicenglish.cl. Thanks for listening.